Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Peter Matheny. Peter is a mortgage broker for Mortgage Architects. He's been in the business for 25 plus years, he is the top mortgage broker with Mortgage Architects. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the evolution of mortgage brokering and cross-selling. And um, Peter, are you ready to rock today? I'm ready to go. Okay, awesome. So can you just tell us, I would like to start off by, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. Well, I started in the mortgage business really by accident. When I graduated from university, I graduated in securities and had every intention of becoming a, uh, a stockbroker, financial planner type person. But when I graduated and was looking for a job, the jobs were pretty pathetic, minuscule incomes, tough times. And my first day on the job, I met a gentleman sitting beside me who was a mortgage broker. At that point, there was probably like 12 mortgage brokers in the GTA. I had no idea what a mortgage broker does. But I learned pretty quickly, and I thought to myself very quickly that, hey, this has got to be a lot easier to give people money than to hang on the phone and try to ask them for it. And really, from day one, just calling a couple contacts that I had, it mushroomed into many, many contacts, which is something we'll be probably elaborating on today. So anyways, right from day one, I, I experienced a lot of success, not only financially, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, Scott, I enjoy it just as much today, even though I've been doing it a long time, if not more, because I know a lot more than I did back then. Right. And so I know that we had talked about this before, but the, the it's changed a lot. So what a, being a mortgage broker meant 25 years ago has changed and it's probably changed even more in the last five to 10 years because of sort of technology and how things are and consumer demand. So can you just walk me through sort of just so that people who are listening can kind of get a picture of what it was like. And then we'll, we'll I want to move to today, which we're, which we'll get to. Sure. Well, when I started, of course, the local mortgage broker was pretty much your lender of last resort. If they weren't giving you a private mortgage, they were definitely giving you some kind of B mortgage at home trust or, or back in those days that uh, it was savers mortgage and so on and so forth. But actually shortly after I started is when the lenders like, uh, uh, First Line and Scotiabank started coming online, and that was a great experience for mortgage brokers at that time because, as you know, it was really like ordering, order taking. You didn't have to be too knowledgeable. You just needed a 1% a lower interest rate compared to the major five banks. Uh, you needed a good compensation and some perks and privileges and the mortgage rate, basic stuff. I really do call it order taking. But we all know after a few years of uh, – uh, eating some of the major banks' lunch. They said, okay, enough is enough, and then they started reducing their rates as well. And then, of course, now we've evolved to where we are today, where everyone's got a low rate. That's no longer going to get you business. That's no longer a viable uh, plan to build your business. Everyone gets a low or lower rate, so you definitely have to do more, provide more, and there's a lot of ways to add uh, value to arranging someone's mortgage. So that's kind of the evolution. Uh, that I've experienced anyways. And so you had, what, just out of curiosity, because I, I started nine years ago, and when you started, like what kind of difference in rate would you see from, say, a first line versus somebody who was going to the bank? It was typically like 1%, believe it or not. You know, the, it's like, like we have the posted rate today at the RBC. Well, in, in those days, when I started off, you know, in the early 90s, the RBC had a posted rate. That was it. You know, maybe if you're lucky, you'd call and we're determined to be a valued client, you might get a quarter percent off. But typically, as we well know, places like First Line were all just wholesale rates, so they were typically at least 1% less. So the sale was really a no-brainer at that time. Those days, of course, long gone. Right, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it would be pretty easy to sell if you were 1% below the – and the banks wouldn't match. So if you had a customer that would say, hey, I want a mortgage from you, and the banks wouldn't match that rate? 
Uh, from my experience back then, the banks were too bold, too brash, and too arrogant to even consider discounting rate. We don't need to do that. And a broker was just kind of an annoying thing and on the sideline. And, of course, now we've become a major force, according to the CAMP studies, what I think we're uh, now hovering around 40% of uh, all mortgages originate in Canada. When I started, it was probably like 2 or 3 or 4%, right? So, of course, we were really off the radar screen, and now we're all on the radar screen, and the banks are not happy with us, of course. So, just out of curiosity, and then we'll get to the back to the interview, but how, how much of an impact do you think the broker channel has had on, like, the pricing for mortgages? Because i got to think that it's definitely benefited the consumer of this, in, this intense competition. Absolutely. So I think the two biggest influences on the banks finally capitulating and doing the wholesale type lending they've been doing in the last five years is a direct result of primarily the broker community getting stronger and tech the information age. Now everyone and their mother has access to the internet. You don't have to press too many keys to find out the lowest rate, the best product, the source to go to. And I think that's had a huge influence. Okay, so now I want to switch to today because obviously we don't have we don't have a rate a one percent rate advantage anymore. And so, how what do you, in your mind where do, where are we headed? So, where does a mortgage broker need to be in order to sort of thrive in the next five to ten years? Well, you know, first we have to start that it doesn't matter what business you're in, what market you're in. Every 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 business is an evolution. All right, there's you know how they sold cars ten years ago has completely changed and will continue to change and so on. So it didn't take me long to realize you know, five years ago that uh, the banks are harder on their tails. They have deeper pockets than, uh, than uh, any of our little businesses do. Uh, they can, they're they're going to match and cut the rate. And unless we do something different, we're going to start, you know, plus, plus uh, our commissions by our suppliers are being compressed because now we've got to be more competitive. So it's coming out, even though we may not be down, be buying down on the rate, but in the bigger picture, that's coming out of our pockets because our lenders have cost the funds too. So it didn't take me long to realize, you know what, it was a good run and there's still potentially a lot of money in this business, but we got to change our strategy. So I kind of, I kind of, and I think people in all of our community kind of hit a wall or hit a wall recently saying there's really no more upside on just trying to sell the rate and only deal in mortgages. We've got all these wonderful clients we've accumulated over the last, uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, they're super loyal to us, far more loyal than they are to any bank or bank teller. And here we are only giving them a mortgage and then handing them over to the supplier, not all suppliers because we do have monolines, but we're handing them over to the bank and the bank is just drilling down and really making money off of them. Because we all know that the least profitable product at an institution is the mortgage. The margins are very, the number looks big, but the margins are very thin. If it was up to most banks, they probably wouldn't even be in the mortgage business, but they do that because it's an anchor product, it's an anchor product mm-hmm. to sell them all the other junk, the, the line of credits, the credit cards, the bank accounts. And I don't mind sharing this statistic with you, it's no big secret, is that Scotiabank, 80% of their new retail acquisition clients, 80% of them, they're originated from mortgages delivered to Scotiabank by the broker community, right? They don't have the walk-in business anymore, they're not getting clients off the internet, 80% of their new client acquisitions on the retail side are for the mortgage broker community. All the power to them, but there should be a lesson in that for us. And the lesson is, why are we giving these clients away to the bank? Why are we getting shut out? And why aren't we really capitalizing and making more money off these great relationships? Mm-hmm. And so how are you, how's your office specifically taking advantage of the of this sort of what you obviously recognize that the banks are doing so well. And in, in, incidentally, like I noticed that Scotiabank, they train their closers. So the people we hand off to, they're not just giving them to sort of the junior 
they're handing them off to their top salespeople because they're really wanting to to build those relationships, which is good on them. It's their business. Good but, on them. Right. So how do you, how do you um how what have you guys been doing to sort of kind of evolve to to meet that? Well, just to compliment you just said, and and hopefully every broker knows this, is coincidentally I was with a broker last night at a presentation, and she was saying she happened to accompany her client to the branch for branch signing just because she knew the client well, whatever. And she told me it was funny that when the client was at the branch, she compared it to a timeshare sales pitch, right? She says, oh, my God, they were trying to sell her absolutely everything under the sun. So I just want to kind of compliment what you said. It's so true. They're, they're, they're like timeshare salespeople. They're trained to dig, dig, push, push, and get you to sign everything they possibly can, okay? <laughs> so so I think your question was, oh, I digress, was that how do we incorporate in our business? What right? are you doing now to, to sort of to, to uh, like evolve to meet that? Yep. So, so you know, I, I'll talk about the separate business I run in tandem with my mortgage business it's got nothing to do with my broker of record or me working at mortgage architecture or someone working at dominion but i'll tell you in a moment how i running two businesses in tandem but the point is years ago i started uh you know i don't i'm not a big advocate or i don't really buy down rates so i have to think of other things to throw on so years ago i partnered up with the financial planners so when the clients are signing up their mortgage i don't let them blindly take just some insurance with the with the the, the lender or mpp i have them sit down and have a consultation with my guy scott he's totally neutral he's an insurance broker doesn't work for an institution and they appreciate that i'm building some glue so that was the emphasis of it well scott's also dual licensed so he would also talk to them about their rsps and their mutual funds remember i'm not really getting a direct benefit from this financially i'm just trying to build a fence around my clients i'm just trying to keep them away from other suppliers who are going to take advantage of them and eat my lunch so scott so really i wasn't too concerned about am i going to make a lot of money by selling them insurance or selling them mutual funds or um, consulting them on RSPs. I'm just trying to keep the piranhas away, right? So, mm-hmm. so that would work really well. Then, of course, it was an evolution, and I think that's the point of this call. Then, uh, then when I when I took it more serious and we got our bank license, we were joined on with CFF Bank or CFF Financial Center. You can Google it if you want. Uh, the point is, then we were allowed to do bank type products. So now I give my clients an unsecured line of credit, anywhere from ten, fifteen, twenty-five thousand, and that's my line of credit. That's not a line of credit. I'm sending them down to the, the Scotia Bank or the TD, and they're giving. You know, that's my line of credit, it's in-house, and I do get paid, and I do build a book, and I do have hopefully a uh, million dollars worth of easy one secured or unsecured line of credits. I should say at the end of ten years, and I have a book, and I have a business, and I have something to sell. So that is creating wealth for me. Both short, I get paid of course, as I process every line of credit, but if I get these people to activate and drop balances on their line of credit, I'm getting credit for that because I am the bank branch. And then without without making this too verbose, and then now, of course, uh, RSP seasons, uh, just been, I've sold a ton of RSPs. A ton, we have a 3% five-year GIC now. Every day I sell three or four GICs, and if you don't know this, they're all $100,000 each because we're CDI and C insured. So, of course, you know that everyone's uh, insured up to $100,000. But I do want to point out one really important thing you and I talked about before, Scott, is this. I want everyone to be clear. I'm not going out and learning how uh, to write it up on mm-hmm. RSP. I'm not going out how, learning how to underwrite an unsecured line of credit. I'm not learning about GIC, so to speak. The way it's set up in my operation at CFF is they've made it ridiculously stupid for the most inexperienced person to get this done. I literally get the call, the guy goes, hey, I was on the internet or my friend told you or someone referred me to you and I want to get that great 
five-year 3% GIC. Because, again, right now it's been really hot the last few weeks. So I literally send them a four. I know some basic knowledge. But my knowledge is it's 5%. I mean, it's five years and it's 3%. That's about all I need to know. Mm-hmm. So I email them a little fancy form that CF Bank has customized for me. They check a box. They initial it. They sign, sign, put their email on it. It's simple, simple, simple. They return to me. I fire it off to CF Bank. CF Bank uh, sends the client the confirmation to receive it. I get CC'd on it. CF Bank, in my case, uh, does the whole sales pitch. That they have 50 people there that are selling retail products, like they do at I, or did at ING over the phone, and they make the complete sale and they keep me into the loop to any degree I want to be kept in the loop. Now, do I get compensated when I sell a GIC and put on my books? Yes, I do. Do I get compensated when I sell a $25,000 line of credit? Yes, I do. It's like a whopping hundred bucks, but I'm not doing it for the hundred bucks. I think you already know that I'm doing this because now I've got these clients basically bundled up. It's a very clear statistic that the banks have worked on for many years. Once your client has two and a half, let's even call it three products with you, three financial products, the probability of them doing business elsewhere drops dramatically, drops like by 80%. Mm -hmm. So our goal or the model that our operation is to have at least two and a half, or let's call it three financial products with them, be it insurance, be it a line of credit, be it a GIC, be it a mortgage. And then they, and not only they, but everyone in their circle of influence and their friends and family neighbors, they really don't make a move without calling you first. Because mm-hmm. you've got that, you've got so many uh, lines of business and the, and the relationship. So uh, I was going to, some of the questions I was going to ask you just basically blew right through the answers. So I don't need to ask them, which is awesome. Makes my interview easy. But I do want to ask about, you had mentioned to me before about a guy in your office who's kind of taking advantage of some of the unique things that you guys do to build his uh, to build his mortgage business. Can you chat about that a little bit? Well, yeah, I'm going to take a little different angle on that. You know, if you're a, a lead planner or a mortgage broker who's building a team, you know, building, you're trying to attract new mortgage agents, I mean, hey, you can only kind of cut a pie so many ways. So, yes, you have the personal bond, but the commission, you know, you're going to, and I don't run a big office with a lot of agents, but from what I understand, hey, you can only cut the, your commission. You always have so much overhead. But if you're recruiting agents and building uh, a team, building a brand, it's easy if you're giving other products because when, when you're interviewing that new agent, you'll be going on about, yeah, of course we do mortgages and I'll take a small percentage of your business, but I'll give you training. Everyone gives training nowadays, right? But I'm going to empower you. You can give a, uh, a line of credit. You can give the guy insurance and you can do all these. Not only can you give it to them and get paid for it right up front, you're going to build a much stronger bond. It's going to give you a huge lift in your mortgage business. Even if you never made a penny from these sundry products, the real goal is to give a huge lift to your mortgage business to not mm-hmm. buy down rates, to make more money in every transaction. So I'll give you that. Now I'll get to your answer. Uh, Matt, who's one of our relatively new agents, who was an agent in the past, came up from the States. Long story short is uh, he's just developing his client base. He has very few clients. Well, this guy is on fire selling unsecured line of credit. So why is he selling unsecured line of credit? Yeah, he's getting paid on all of them, and for him, that's a good chunk of money right now. But more importantly, he's getting his hooks into these people that are maybe 25, 30, 35 years old, and he's setting them up and getting them on their feet with their unsecured line of credit. And now they're on his mailing list. Now, they're, now they've created a bond. Now they've created a relationship. And I'm guessing when it does come time for them or anyone they know to get a mortgage, they're going to say, hey, Matt's the go-to guy. He'll take care of everything. And not only take care of anything, on Matt's side, he probably doesn't have to have too many conversations about what's the lowest rate. He's probably going to be able to charge a reasonable rate and get full compensation on his mortgage. And that's ultimately what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Did you answer your question? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And that's what, that's a, 
that's what I wanted you to share because I thought it was interesting how he, he's doing a killer job of uh, taking advantage of sort of a unique offering that you guys have and and beginning a conversation with someone around their finances and then it, and then when I chatted with them it is turned into business even immediately it wasn't intended that way but it's turned into business because of hey why don't you look at this too right well he's the kind of guy who can go to a trade show can set up a booth at a wedding show or whatever and write a hundred unsecured line of credit applications and probably get more than half of them approved right Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's something you can do immediately on the spot. And that's great compensation. But just think about all those relationships, all those seeds he's planted for the future. I wouldn't want to be running like a mortgage booth at a wedding show or a real estate, uh, a trade show. That's tough sledding. Mm -hmm. And so I want to just ask you something you you just mentioned. So with this guy, Matt, or anybody, or even yourself, who's been doing this for 25 years, part of the reason that you've had the success that you're able to have now is because you've stayed in touch with your clients. So I'm just going to veer off slightly, but how important is it or been for your business to stay in touch? And maybe give me an idea or two on how you've done such a good job of that. Well, um, I don't, uh, for those that don't know, I don't advertise publicly. You won't find me in the yellow pages. Uh, We do not, or I don't, or generally speaking, our office does not accept any business that wasn't introduced to us by someone we know. So if someone calls us from the internet, hey, I saw the internet, we don't do that business, only because we've already done all the analytics. Closing ratio is low, uh, re- uh, return on time is low, it's just, it's just not good business, right? Mm-hmm. right? So we've decided years ago, I don't deal, go to real estate offices and, and pay uh, uh, referral fees. I don't solicit realtors to send me my business. Hey, I did when I started out, but you know, I've matured out of that. So the point is, in the last 10 or 15 years, all our resources go into our marketing program. So we're trying to convert every client we have into a disciple, a spokesperson, a salesperson for what we do, right? We always tell them, you want to make sure all your friends and family are treated fairly, aren't taken advantage of by a bank. We tell them, you know, I know you've heard this from me before, you know, going to a bank is like asking a Ford dealer what kind of car you should buy. You know, the bank's not going to be looking up. They're not educators. They're suppliers. You've got to rely on yourself to be educated. That's where we step in. So my point is we send that message out in many different ways. Well, obviously, a lot of it's electronic. I write a lot of stuff myself. You know, I have a guy proof it, edit it, and send it out. I have a snail mail as well. I do the magazine thing. So the long story short is uh, we do keep in contact regularly. You know, I think they are saying statistically you should have six touches per year. Well, we're way over that. Maybe it's big, I'm like about three or four touches every month, mm-hmm. but it's not just junk. It's not just templated stuff. It's stuff that I, I take time, uh, that I personally write it. People know I write it, and I get it cleaned up and delivered. And, uh, and people sense that. People sense that, you know, if you're doing it or it's just a mass mass marketing. So you do have to be careful with your marketing. You want to make it as uh, as uh, as uh, as legitimate or as intimate as I'm trying as you trying to say as possible because you know people have to give people credit they sense that mm-hmm. so anyway that's a long answer for it that's uh we don't you know people approach us all the time hey why don't you put an ad in the paper why don't you go on Rogers TV and do this show I go that's totally not our thing we're not mm-hmm. looking for clients that aren't introduced introduced to us because one last time we've done the metrics and for our business the highest rate of return uh, the critical path is dealing with people that are introduced to us by an existing client. Right, that's good. I remember one time I met with you with a friend who was new in the business, and he'd asked you, he said, uh, so if you were the, in your first three or four years, what would be your goal? And you had said to him, I would do everything I could to find 250 clients, and then once I have that, I would spend all my time and energy investing in those 250. So I know that you're going to have to like, just, I, I want to ask this because it's, it's come up a few times lately and I'm, you know, chatting with newer brokers, but if somebody's new, like, how do you, what's your advice for someone that's just trying to get those first 250 clients? 
Well, you know what? It doesn't even really take 250 clients. You know, if you can get a circle of influence, even 10 solid people, we got to remember that it's, it's a referral tree. So those 10 solid people, uh, each one of them is probably good for another two or three. And those two or three are good for another two or three. So it doesn't take long to mushroom. So I guess my best advice is, you know, I mean, you can always do the realtor thing. You know, obviously go there and create a network. But I think you're going to get just as many. Believe it or not, I, I, statistically, if you had one or two clients that are relatively sociable and, and go to networking meetings, they're probably going to send you more clients than a realtor will. But the point is, uh, you know, use your social circle. Uh, everyone's a potential uh, salesperson for you, not that they necessarily need a mortgage. You know, tell them what you do. Don't be afraid to ask. You know, without digressing, every one of my emails that when I start it is, hey, it's great to hear from you. I hope uh, you're finding my email updates useful. Please share them with others. I'd appreciate Others that you feel would like to save money on their next mortgage, I'd appreciate that. So I'm always leading with that if it's a social, if it's a social networking thing, if it's a conversation, uh, if it's an electronic email, who knows what. So anyways, my point is you just have to get the message out there, lean on your network, but make sure they understand that even though there's no fee or charge for your services and you're getting them a great interest rate and, and, and great experience, you do expect them in return uh, to help, you expect them in return to understand you have a small business and that we're all here to support small businesses. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. So I, I kind of went off track there a little bit, but I, I wanted to pick your brain on that since I have you on the phone. And um, so the CFF thing, how can people find out about this? Where, where can they go check it out? Well, um, I think. I haven't been on the CF Bank website in the last week or so, but if you went to uh, Canadian First Financial Services or CFF Bank, I know there's a, a mortgage broker portal. Of course, you can contact us, and you could reach out and say, hey, I spoke to Peter, I spoke to Scott Dizzer, I heard of this is no big secret. Uh, it was just, you know, there's 30 branches already in Canada. By the end of the year, there's going to be 60. So uh, this is taking off, and again, just in closing, any mortgage broker that wants to take their business to the next level, wants to stay ahead of the curve, wants to be an earlier adapter because, again, they're going to do this eventually if they want to be successful. Having said that, some people are just happy with the status quo. They're saying, you know what, I don't need that in my life. I just, you know, if I can just maintain what I have, I'm happy. And that, I respect that too. But everyone who's, who wants to build a business, wants to build a practice, is really looking to uh, make more money with less effort. This is really the way to go. And I'm not saying CF is the only one. I mean, there's other avenues you could take. I mean, but uh, this is the one that works for me for the reasons we just talked about the last 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. No, awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time, Peter, and uh, I hope that you absolutely crush the rest of your year. Well, thanks very much, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Okay.